Alan, thank you, Victoria. And that was uh, a great children's talk. We pray God will speak to people's hearts through what we heard this morning. We're going to uh, turn now in our Bibles to Isaiah and chapter 61. Isaiah and chapter 61. Uh, this is in the Old Testament, and it's a, a book that was, the Old Testament is like B.C., the New Testament is like A.D. This is a, a part of the scriptures before Jesus came, and Isaiah was a prophet who lived about 800, just under 800 years before the Lord Jesus came to earth, and he prophesied many things, including about our Saviour Isaiah chapter 61, and uh, we're going to read verses 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn to, and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Well, please keep your Bible open if you have it uh, with you today, because it'll help to follow along uh, in the passage. I'm just going to tuck this wire in because I can hear it uh, making a noise. I don't want it to distract you. It's switched on, it is switched on. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, so. Okay. Well, I wonder if you've ever seen the Spider-Man series with the uh, actor Andrew Garfield. There's a, a series of Spider-Man. There's more than one series of Spider-Man films, especially as you've seen the latest one. You know that. But in the second of the uh, Andrew Garfield sequel, one of the supervillains that Spider-Man has to deal with is a man called Electro. And Electro got his powers by working at a, a place where they did scientific experiments on electricity and uh, in a, an improbable... I'm going to turn this off, if that's okay, because this is banging already. There's a dodgy wire. Um, can I have yours? Sorry about that. Yeah, and Electro uh, was a, a man who worked at a, an electricity company and uh, where they were doing some experiments. And uh, through an improbable series of events, he ended up falling into a huge vat that had electric eels in that they were working with. And he, of course, got electrocuted. And somehow the electricity passed into his body in huge quantities so that when he came out, he had supernatural power with electricity. He could charge uh, electric lights uh, by standing near them and he could uh, 
throw electricity like a weapon and it made a great supervillain in the Spider-Man film. Well, it may surprise you to know this, there are actually people who do have that sort of experience, only not on a superhero, uh, supervillain level, but on a lesser level. There's a man in, in China, if he's still alive, his name is Zing Di, he lives in Ulta City in China, and uh, when he was age 47, he was an electrician, he was working, and he accidentally touched a live wire. And he thought for a moment, I thought that wire was live, but I didn't feel a thing. And tentatively, he touched it again. I would have done something different, but he, did, he didn't feel a thing again. And uh, he went to see the doctor about this. And in 1994, the Chinese Academy of Sciences did some experiments on him. And they found this man seems to have electricity in his body. And it is to the extent that he can actually hold light bulbs and they can shine. And he can even cook a fish by holding it in his hand. Now, you may think that's a, a freak thing, but actually there are reports of this down the years. There was a lady in France in the 1800s whose name was Angelique Cotton. And in the 1800s, she had so much resident electricity in her body that when she went forward near uh, certain types of furniture, it would actually move. And, of course, this spooked people out, and so they did experiments, and they found she had the same thing as well. Uh, in our own country, in, back in the 1970s, I, I looked for a photo of this, this person, but they didn't have one. But uh, there was a young boy in 1974 in uh, Bristol whose name was Vivian Jones. He had an accident when he was about 16 years old, and the shock of the accident made his hair stand up upright for two days and for two days he had so much electricity that he couldn't hug or touch his parents it passed after two days but there was some sort of resident electricity inside him now the scientists don't know exactly what this is uh, but it's not as uncommon as you might think it, they, they call it SLI and apparently there's something like 10,000 people in the world who have this shocking power uh, inside them. Now, that must be amazing to have that sort of power resident inside you. And the, the temptation for fun and mischief it was enormous, doesn't it? I mean, who needs an electric hand buzzer when you've got that sort of thing? I could really use that shaking hands on the door, couldn't I? But uh, no matter how much power these people may have inside their body, strange power, their power is nothing like the power of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah the prophet in this passage of scripture which I read said this in, uh, speaking uh, as if it was the Lord Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. Now, that's not talking about what Albert Steptoe called electricery. <laughs> it's talking about the power of God, the Holy Spirit, being on the Lord Jesus Christ in his ministry so he could help people. And uh, you remember some of us that when the Lord Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, the Holy Spirit came down on the Lord Jesus like a dove and the voice of the Father was heard in heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, with him I'm well pleased. 
And you had all members of the Trinity there. You had the Father speaking, the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove, and you had the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that was when the Holy Spirit's power came on the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in his ministry. And it's, uh, it was God's way of showing that he is the Messiah. The word Messiah or Christ means the anointed one. And that's what this prophecy said about the Lord Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And there you have all three members of the Trinity again. Uh, And it says, because the Lord has anointed me. Jesus knew the inflow, the outflow and the overflow of the Holy Spirit in him. And John says he had the spirit without measure. John chapter 3, he had the spirit without measure. Now, some people may say, no, John, you've got this all wrong. You've got this all wrong. If there was a Jewish person here this morning, you might say, John, you've got this all wrong. This is speaking about Isaiah himself. Isaiah is the prophet who's writing this passage, and he's saying the spirit of the Lord is on me. Me, Isaiah. And he's, he's anointed me to preach the good news. And it's all about the children of Israel going away into captivity to Babylon. And the Lord's going to release the prisoners eventually from Babylon and then bring them back to their land. Now, I understand why Jewish people think that, taking that from the text in here. But I want to tell you, we can say with absolute authority today that this is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 4, the Lord Jesus Christ got up in the synagogue of Nazareth. And he was asked to read the, what they call in the synagogue the Haftorah portion, the scripture portion for the day, where they have a Bible reading. And it was this passage of scripture that day, and they, the Lord Jesus opened it. And he read these verses and he said, today these words are fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, this verse here, these verses are speaking about me. And the Lord Jesus didn't just say that on one occasion. He said it on two occasions because when John the Baptist was wanting confirmation that Jesus was the Messiah, he sent some of his followers to Jesus to ask him and Jesus quoted this Bible passage and said, now you go and tell John what you've seen, that you've seen these things happening. We know with authority that this is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Paul in the New Testament, uh, one of the letters when Paul wrote teaching the church how to live, he quotes this passage as well in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 with reference to the gospel. So we, we know this is about the Lord Jesus Christ and we know it is about his great work that he came to do for mankind. And it actually covers both his comings. I don't know if you know this, but the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back to earth a second time. Everybody knows about Christmas when Jesus came and was born as a baby at Bethlehem. But did you know the Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back a second time? And he's coming back not as a baby in a manger, but he's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. And when he comes back, there's going to be a day of judgment and he's also going to put things right with regards to Israel. And that's these two things are what this passage is speaking of. In fact, it's very interesting when the Lord Jesus read this passage in the synagogue in Nazareth, he read down to verse 2, and in verse 2, he stopped halfway through the verse. It says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, and he stopped there. He didn't finish the sentence which says, and the day of vengeance of our God. 
Now, some people might say, well, that's because God isn't interested in judgment anymore and those things anymore. And that's not true. What Jesus was saying was, this part is fulfilled now. The next part will be fulfilled when I come again. And it's a passage that covers both his comings. And I want us to have a look at this this morning to see Christ's power through the Holy Spirit here prophesied and revealed in this passage. So we can understand today what the Lord Jesus Christ can do for us. That's why you came to church today, wasn't it? You came to to sing God's praises and you came to say, Lord, I want to receive from you too. I want to know what you can do for me and receive from us. And this scripture will show us what the Lord Jesus Christ can do for us. But I want to add something else as well. This passage will show us what the Lord Jesus can do for us. And it will show what the Lord Jesus can do through us. Through us. Because here's a wonderful truth. When we become a Christian, when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus who died on the cross for us, guess what? The same Holy Spirit who came on the Lord Jesus for his ministry, he comes into our hearts too. And he helps us to live for the Lord. I love that story of the lady who took her her watch to uh, a jeweler's to have it fixed because she said, I keep winding it every day and, uh, and, uh, and it's not working. And the man had a look at it and he said, oh, it's very simple. He said, it, uh, it just needs a new battery. The lady said, battery? She said, Who's, nobody told me there was a battery. And she said, I've been winding it every day. She was trying to do it all in her own power and it wasn't working. And that's like trying to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit within inside you. But when you trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside you and he helps us to live according to God's word and to help others as well. So let's see Christ's power revealed in Isaiah 61, these amazing verses, and we'll try to take away something, if not everything, from what they say. First thing I want you to see is that Christ's power was given to him by the Spirit for proclamation. And that's what we see again in the opening verse, verse 1, which is quite a long verse, so I'm going to be coming back to this verse a lot. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Now, I like preachers, and some preachers are amazing, amazingly gifted people. I, I read a story that blew me away about a, an old preacher in the, in the West, in cowboy times, uh, whose name was David Marks. And he was a Baptist preacher, and he would ride around on horseback to different uh, towns to preach the gospel. And he went one day to a town, and he got a, got a crowd together to come and, and hear. And he said, now, uh, what would you like me to speak to you about today? And one cocky young man shouted out, nothing. So David Mark said, all right, I'll preach to you about nothing. And he read the scripture, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. And then he said this, there is nothing that can save a sinner from going to hell but the blood of Jesus. And he said, there's nothing That can take away your salvation when you trust in Christ. And he said God created the world out of nothing. And he he preached a whole sermon on nothing. I was just blown away. I thought Lord that's an amazing gift. Well no matter how gifted some preachers are. To be able to do that. There's none, none 
like the Lord Jesus Christ. We call Charles Spurgeon, the famous Baptist preacher, the Prince of Preachers, but nobody dares call him the King of Preachers because the King of Preachers, the greatest preacher ever, was the Lord Jesus Christ. And all the way through these verses, you'll notice it says he came to preach and to proclaim. Uh, Twice it says proclaim in verse 1 and in verse 2, as well as preach. And it's interesting the Lord Jesus came to be a saviour, but he came to be a, a preacher too. He said in Mark chapter 1, let's go to the other villages and cities and proclaim there the message. For that is why I have come. Everywhere the Lord Jesus went, he would enter the synagogue on the Sabbath and preach the good news. And he would preach to the people. One old Puritan writer said, God had only one son and he made him a preacher. That's quite a thought, isn't it? That's how important God sees preaching the message. And the Lord Jesus came to preach. Now, what did he preach? He preached the good news. That's what he said. Now, the word good news here is what we call the gospel. The word gospel, you'll hear us uh, talking about the gospel a lot. All right. It doesn't mean black singing, you know, like uh, Whoopi Goldberg in that film Sister Act. You know, that's, that is called gospel music. But gospel means good news. And it's the good news of God's love and mercy towards us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news that he came to die on the cross for our sins so we can be forgiven and made right with God. You see, we're all going to live forever, as uh, Victoria's uh, children's talk said. And we're either going to live forever in heaven with God in paradise or in hell. Now, by default, you and I are heading to hell because of our sin and because of the sins of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, which are on our account as well, because we're a part of the human race. But God doesn't want you to go to hell. And he sent the Lord Jesus as as a plan that the the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit came together, that they would plan to rescue Adam's fallen race, any who wanted to be saved. They can trust in what Jesus did on the cross. Because when he died on the cross, he took all our sins on himself. So that he could pay the debt for us. And God could look at Jesus and say, now the debt has been paid. I can forgive you and I can take you into heaven. That's good news. And he's offering it to us today. And it's, the, it's a, just a message to all we have to do is to repent of our sin. Say sorry to God. Admit that you've done wrong. Ask him to forgive you those things and trust in what Jesus did. Stop trusting in your good works or you're such a nice person or, or you don't really think you've really done anything wrong. Listen, the Bible says you're a sinner. Jesus came to be your savior. Trust in him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. This is the message Jesus came to preach and it's good news. And I want to tell you, it really is good news. I want to just expand this a little bit more. Okay, I always sometimes grab a little children's talk on the way out uh, just in case I have a, uh, a need. And uh, today I bought a jar of masks, all right? Sorry for those listening on the CD. That's going to sound awful. But I've got a jar of marbles here, okay? Now, the jar is empty. I've poured them into a pot. I want you to imagine every time you sin, one goes in there. You say a swear word. You say, oh, my. You break the speed limit. 
That is a sin. You're meant to keep the speed limit. I'm guilty too. You look lustfully at a woman. You steal something. Imagine if you just sinned once a day. Wouldn't take very long to fill that jar, would it? And every one of those sins you're accountable for before God. What Jesus does, he comes and empties the jar. And then he puts the lid on. So no more sin can be added to your account ever again. He says in the Bible, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Can't get it in there. God's not going to hold it against us because Jesus has paid for it all. That's good news. That's what the Lord Jesus came to preach. And that's what he wants you and I to believe. Now you say, well, why did he need the Spirit's power to preach it as good news? I mean, if you're going to tell someone some good news, imagine I had the, the privilege of telling Alan here today, Alan, you've inherited a fortune, a million pounds. I wouldn't need any special power to do that, would I? No, because it's nothing spiritual. But the, but the Lord Jesus was telling a spiritual message. It had to be revealed what God was going to do, and it had to be understood and received by the people. And that's not easy to get across. We need the Spirit's power to be able to do that. And that's why he had the Spirit's power to do that. But he came to proclaim the good news. He had the the power of the Spirit to proclaim God's time. Because if you look down in verse 2, it talks again about his preaching. It says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now, the year of the Lord's favour is something that the Jewish people would have understood because every 49 years, they clocked onto a 50-year thing called the Jubilee. Now, we've just had our Queen's Jubilee. Don't get muddled up with that. But every 50 years, there was what they called a Jubilee. And it was a time when all the people who were uh, in debt, who were slaves because they were in debt, all their debts were cancelled And then they could go free. And it was to announce the time now is is for freedom. And what Jesus came to do was to proclaim, now is the time you can be set free from your sins and you can go. And it's not tomorrow, it's now. And this is what Paul quoted in the book of Corinthians. He said, I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. You know, we always want to say, well, I'll do it when I'm old. I'll do it when I'm on my deathbed. Listen, I want to tell you, you may not be in any fit state of head and mind to make that eternal decision on your deathbed. And you haven't even got the guarantee you're going to die in your old age. Many people die of heart attacks suddenly, or they have a car crash or something like that. You need to turn to the Lord now. And that means you and me, even here in this room today. That doesn't mean in five minutes time when the sermon's ended. It means now. If you don't know the Lord as your saviour this morning, the message Jesus came to bring was you need to turn to him, be saved today, now. So pray to him in your heart right now. Do you know, I was like some of you here today. I was in church, a non-Christian, and I prayed while the sermon was being preached. Lord Jesus, save me. Come into my heart. And he came into my heart and saved me. While the sermon, the preacher didn't know. The person next to me didn't know. But I knew the Lord had come into my heart. 
That can happen to you today. So now is the time of salvation. Ask him even this minute. And the Lord Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. We're in this time now where God is willing to say. But also, you'll notice, he said, and the day of the vengeance of our God. Jesus came to proclaim God's judgment. And that's the bit that's coming in the future. And God will judge sin. And there will be a day of judgment. And that's why we need to be saved. There will also be a time of judgment on the earth uh, as the second coming draws near. And we need to understand that's what as well the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking of. I love the contrast, though, the year of the Lord's favour and the day of the vengeance of our God. You know why? Because God is holding out longer for for people to be saved than the time when the judgment will come. He's holding out, saying, the longer I leave it, the more people can be saved. So why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Because some of you in this room are not yet saved. And he wants you to be saved. So the time is now. That's what the Lord Jesus came to preach. And he needed the Holy Spirit to do that. Now let me apply this to us who are Christians as well. I want to say this this morning. We also need the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim God's message God's good news and to preach from the Bible. Uh, I, there's a lovely Charlie Brown Peanuts cartoon. I know most people today uh, don't read Peanuts, but uh, those of you who are older remember Charlie Brown and Snoopy. And there's a, a lovely Peanuts cartoon where you've got Linus and Charlie Brown and Lucy, and they're lying on their backs looking up at, uh, at the sky, looking at the clouds. And uh, Lucy said, you know, sometimes when you look up at the clouds and you use your imagination, you can see different things in the cloud formations. And she says to her brother, she said, what do you see, Linus? And Linus said, well, those clouds up there look to me like the map of British Honduras in the Caribbean. And that cloud up there looks a little like the profile of Thomas Eakins, the famous painter and sculptor. And that group of clouds over there gives me the impression of the stoning of Stephen. And I I think I can see the Apostle Paul over there standing to one side. She was impressed with the answer. She said, that's amazing. And she turned to Charlie Brown and said, what do you say? What do you see in the clouds, Charlie Brown? He said, well, I was going to say I saw a ducky and a horsey, but I, I changed my mind. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes when we're, we're coming to God's word and we're looking for the eternal truths, and, and it's like, uh, I can't see these great things I, and I can't see it. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, open my eyes. The hymn writer said this, come Holy Ghost, for moved by thee, the prophets wrote and spoke. Unlock the truth, thyself the key. Unseal the sacred book. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to preach the gospel. I want to ask you, those of you who are Christians, do you pray for the Holy Spirit to be able to witness to your friends and neighbours, to be able to do things like Monday meetings, Sunday school? Do you pray for the preachers who get up on Sunday, that God will give them the help of the Holy Spirit in the study and in the pulpit? Do you value the preaching and do you say this needs to be spirit-filled? It's what we need. And the Lord Jesus' example here is a great lesson to us who are saved as well. So the first thing the Lord Jesus had power was for, was for proclamation. I'm going to move faster through the second thing. second thing is for emancipation. Because verse 1 in the middle there uh, turns, says, He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. 
And emancipation, of course, means freedom. It means to be set free. And the Lord Jesus Christ came to set people free. And as people who are held in bondage, who may not realise they're held in bondage, they are, they are prisoners in different ways. And the Lord Jesus has the power to do things, to help us. And this is what this passage reveals he came to do. He came to set people free from their broken hearts, to bind up or heal the brokenhearted. Is there anything worse than having a broken heart? Yeah, you may have a broken bone, that'll heal. But a broken heart, that's a terrible thing. You know, an unfaithful spouse can lead you with a, a broken heart. A wayward child can lead you with a broken heart. The regret of something you've done in your own life can leave you with a broken heart. Who can heal the broken heart? I want to tell you one who can heal. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He can bind that broken heart up so that it can heal. This is what he came to do. It says in the hymn writers, uh, Philip Doddridge's hymn, Heart the Glad Song, he comes to the broken heart to bind, the bleeding soul to cure. You feel you're bleeding to death inside. I felt like that. I want to tell you Jesus can heal you. Pray to him. And the Beatitudes pick this up, of course, in Jesus' teaching as well and apply it especially to the matter of our brokenheartedness over our sin. He can bind up the brokenhearted and heal them. This is what he can do for us. This is what he can do for you. He came to set the prisoner free, as it says, to proclaim freedom for the captives. That is emancipation from bondage. There are many people who are in bondage and who, who are slaves to different things. 2 Timothy chapter 2 talks us about those who take the devil has taken captive to do his will. And it's possible to be a slave in the devil's service. Have you ever seen someone on drugs? I've, seen, I've known people, especially in our first church, we had a lot of dealing with people and families where grandsons living at home were stealing from the parents and the grandparents to pay for their drug habits. Those people are in bondage and they can't control themselves. It's a terrible thing. And you, we all think of that sort of person as being a slave to their addiction. But I want to tell you there's many addictions. In fact, I'm going to tell you this. This is, this is something I've been reflecting on this week. I want to say every single one of you in this room is an addict. And I can prove that to you from the Bible because in John 8 verse 31, the Lord Jesus Christ said, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Have you ever committed a sin? You don't want to know why you do it again? It's because you're a slave to sin. I'm a slave to sin. We wouldn't do sin if it wasn't nice, if we didn't want to do it, but we keep doing it. We keep doing that and we kick ourselves and say, why did I do that again? And we can't seem to break the habit and we can't get over our problems. The Lord Jesus came to break that bondage, to proclaim freedom for the captives. And he has the power to break, he, he has the power to break counseled sin and set the prisoner free. 
I love the great missionary David Brainard, who went to the Indians uh, back in the olden days of the Wild West again. And uh, uh, he went with the gospel to the Indians. And, and when he went to the Indians, they took him into their camps and they received him. But they weren't really interested in becoming Christians. They had their gods and they had their worldly lifestyle. You may not realize it, but mo- most of the Indians were alcoholics. They made their own drink and they were, this is why they, they were uh, uh, the way they were. But David couldn't speak the Indian language and so he had a translator, a man called Tatami, who used to translate for him. And as this man was translating for David over many, many years, the message of the Bible was working in his life. And he began to realise there's hope for me to break my addictions to alcohol and so on. And he turned to the Lord and when he became a Christian and the change of the power of God in his life was seen by the others, other Indians said, I want what that has got. He's got as well. And they started, because the Lord Jesus can break bondage to sin. I'll talk more about that a little bit in a moment. But he also came to break other power and set people free from what I'm going to call blindness, because it says here to release from darkness for the prisoners at the end of verse one. Now, when the Lord Jesus quoted that in the New Testament, he said to open the eyes of the blind, because what this is talking about is the darkness. The darkness here is not the darkness of the prison cell, especially, but the darkness of eyes that can't see. Now, if there's one thing you wish you could cure for anyone, it's blindness, isn't it? I read a fascinating thing just recently that British scientists have found a tropical fish called a zebrafish that has the unique ability to repair its own eyesight because of its, its certain blood cells, certain cells in its eyes. And they found those same cells are in human beings and they're trying to work out whether or not they can instigate something that will help restore human eyes. Uh, it would be an amazing thing if they could. But the Lord Jesus did that great miracle over and over and over again, nine times in the gospel, I think it is. He healed blind people. And he did it to show us that he has the power to open our eyes physically and spiritually. You wonder why you read the Bible sometimes and you can't see the truth about God? It's because spiritually we're blind. We need the Lord to open our eyes. He came to release from darkness the prisoners, to bring them into sight. And this is what his power is able to do. Not for other people, but for you. This is what the Lord Jesus has the power of God for, to help you. So if you've got a broken heart here today, turn to Christ for the salvation of your sin. Weep your way with a broken heart to the cross and ask the Lord to save you on the count of the Lord Jesus and ask God to heal your broken heart in your life and he can work that gracious miracle he can set you free from the bondage of sin's dominion and power romans chapter 6 7 and 8 teaches us more about that and he can open our eyes of blindness to see and when we've got that we need to go and tell others i love this lady lisette uh, Klopp. I remember her name, her surname, because it's the same as the football manager. Uh, she's from Latvia. She was a policewoman. And Latvia, the town she was working in, was one of the major towns where human trafficking was taking place. And women were being drawn into uh, lifestyles of prostitution. And as a policewoman, she had to arrest these women. 
and take them back to the police cell. Uh, but as a Christian, she was saying, God, these people don't need arresting. They need something more. They need what you can do for them. And the Lord spoke to her to, to leave the police force. And she joined a Christian organization called YWAM and set up a work called Freedom 61. Based on Isaiah 61, he came to set the captives free and a ministry to those who are caught in that. You know, when we have this good news in our lives, we need to share it with others as well. Third thing the Lord Jesus Christ had the power of God for was for transformation. Because in verse 3, the Lord Jesus says, actually if you look at the end of verse 2, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Transformation is what Christianity is all about. Whenever I used to go to my granny, I used to go to her church, it always made me smile because it had a sign up in the road that pointed, it said Norrie's Church this way, and underneath it said Recycling Centre. And I thought that's so appropriately put together because this is what the Lord does. He takes us in our old state and he makes us new. He transforms us. And in this passage, you have a description of somebody who's going to a funeral. And they've been told, hang on a minute, you've got it wrong. You're not going to a funeral. You're going to a wedding. And he turns the mourning into joy. He takes away the ashes, which is what they used to put on themselves to go to a funeral. And he gives them a crown of beauty instead. Instead of mourning, he gives them oil, which is what they used to put on people going to a wedding. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Put it another way, he takes away the heavy spirit and gives the Holy Spirit. And that transformation is what the Lord Jesus Christ comes to do in us. And he works in us by the power of his spirit and his word, the Bible. And I want to tell you, this is something God's going to do for Israel in the future. This is part of what he will do at the second coming. But it's what he can do for us now, today. And he can make that transformation in us. D.L. Moody, the famous preacher, said the Bible wasn't given just to inform us, but to transform us, to change us. And when God's word goes to work in our lives... It brings that change. Heard about a man who went up to the famous preacher R.A. Torrey and he said, can you help me with this book? Because whenever I read it, it's as dry as dust to me. He said, I'm a Christian and I want to read this, but I really struggle with it. And Torrey said, I'll tell you what you can do. Find one book. Choose a small book. To Peter. He said, I want you to read it. He said, well, I've read it. He said, read it again. He said, but I know what it says. He said, listen, he said, I want you to read it 12 times a day. It's just three chapters. You want the Bible to be alive to you and God to work in you? Read it 12 times a day, just those three chapters. Now, I'm not saying this is what you've got to do, but this is what this man said to him. So he did. He and his wife, they said it. they would read it four times through at breakfast. They would read it four times at lunchtime and read it four times in the evening. After a while, the man was getting so excited about all the stuff he was reading in the Bible and he was marking, oh, this, this is, speaks to me and this speaks to me. And he said to his wife, look, look, my Bible is just covered in notes now and it, it, it's almost black with, uh, with all that God's shown me. In this. She said, and his wife welled up in tears. She said, yes. She said, your Bible is black now with notes, but your life has become white. I've seen the change. And as the word of God went to work in his life, 
it was doing its mighty work. So open yourself up to feeding on God's word and let his Holy Spirit in. Now you may say to yourself, but John, you know what? I've been a Christian years and it doesn't seem to be working in me. Just look at this last bit. It says they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now I love oak trees. Uh, I used to live in the area near Blenheim Palace and Blenheim Palace is where we have the most oak trees in the country Uh, oak trees are royal trees and that's why I think the Lord chose this one but you know what this is this is a beautiful picture of what a person becomes Jesus says they'll become good they'll be called oaks of righteousness an oak tree is a beautiful good tree it's the one and the most valuable trees of all and this is what the Lord will make us but it's also gradual you don't grow an oak tree overnight an oak tree takes hundreds of years to grow to full size and strength and the bible says we're the planting of the lord when you become a christian he plants the acorn in your life the seed of the word of god and you have to let it grow and work and you know you can sit and watch an oak tree for ages and ages. you won't see much change but you come back in time and you'll see the tree getting bigger and bigger and bigger is gradual. This is how God will. And I want to say this to you. Some of you are sitting there. I want God to heal my broken heart. I want him to set me free from my bondage. Listen, you didn't get into that pain overnight. You may not get out of it overnight. But let God's word and your, his spirit work in you. And the change will go. It will work gradually. And the result will be glorious. It says for the display of his splendor. He will do that in you it's an encouraging message isn't it what the lord has the power to do for us i want to say again what the lord has the power to do for you so if you've not yet turned to him say lord jesus i want you to be my savior you don't have to understand all of it you may still have a load of questions don't worry it'll come in time you know enough just cry out to the lord in your prayer Ask him to save you and he will hear that prayer if you truly put your trust in him. Uh, I'll hand back to you. Thank you, brother.